Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold, and we have an amazing starting lineup for today as we talk college football. In fact, we're going to be talking about Sports Illustrator's famous or soon-to-be-famous article on celebrating 150 years of college football. And the only person that was around 150 years old starts us off a defensive line, Ernest Watts from Rockingham, North Carolina. Yeah, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds Dang. from University of North Carolina at Pembroke. There you go. And then in our backfield, defensive backfield, is Nate Moyer from Trumbull, Connecticut. Yippee! <laughs> I wanted to play an offense, but we'll we'll stick with defense. Wow, way to bring the enthusiasm, <laughs> Nate! Wow, we're two minutes in and he brings us down already. Antonio Brown shows up. <laughs> yes, we'll change helmets for you later, Nate. Come on, take it easy, take it easy. All I'll right, and then uh, starting at fullback, our youngest Thank member, you. rookie on this team, or oh, second-year player, David Arnold from Tecumseh, Michigan. That's right, five foot taller than Kyler Murray. One hundred eighty pounds. Really, one hundred eighty? Uh, are you sure? Uh, maybe one eighty-five after the summer here. Yeah, yeah, he's showing the guns. If you, That's right. We can That's see right. some of us on Skype. The rest of us choose not to be seen on any public forum, as if possible. <laughs> and I'm your host. I am Paul Arnold from the amazing Midland Chemics, uh, starting at center, and a whopping two hundred and ten pounds. Ding, 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 ding. If you don't watch right. Dan That's Patrick. Right. That's wasted on you. And you've wasted a whole life not watching one of the best talk shows on the air. But we're going to talk about college football. And Ernest brought us to our attention to these articles. And Sports Illustrated looked at 15 different categories about the greatest rivalries, greatest traditions, greatest games, yada, yada. And I am so excited about college football coming back. I love college football. To me, it's so much better than the NFL, but that's another podcast. So we're going to start with... My choice, the greatest rivalries in college football history. And I'll start this one, and then we'll go around the horn, and people can talk about it and what they think is maybe the second or third best rivalry. But for me, the Sports Illustrated got it wrong. They said, can you believe it, guys, that the Iron Bowl, Alabama-Auburn, is the best rivalry in college football. And I say, no way. Ohio State-Michigan, even though it's been lopsided for a while, is still by far the best just based on how much people dislike each other in Michigan and Ohio. And, David, you've lived in Ohio for a while, and you have friends in Ohio, and you claim still to be a Michigan fan. Do you think that Auburn-Alabama is a greater rivalry than Ohio State-Michigan? My heart tells me Ohio State and Michigan is the better rivalry, but both teams have to win for it to be a rivalry. And as much as that pains me to say, oh, oh. you know, losing 14 out of the last 15. Oh, David, stop, stop. I can't games, take it. Well, but, but the fascinating thing for me is that Ohio State and Michigan have, it's always been like this. It's always been cyclical, even though Ohio State, it's not looking cyclical right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but Michigan did win, you know, eight of 10 in the 90s. Um, they won for quite a stretch there with Bo, um, and and then before Woody Hayes kind of dominated the rivalry, and then before Woody Hayes, it wasn't even a rivalry because Michigan just beat Ohio State so much. Uh, so it's kind of been like that for the rivalry for a long time. The one thing though, Alabama Auburn, I it's it's such a different type of game, just because you know Michigan Ohio State has has looked lopsided, but they've always been very close games. Alabama and Auburn, it's it's like Alabama's always the number one team, and Auburn is, you know, at 10, 11, 12th in the nation. It just feels 
like they're a little a spoiler? Bit weird for me. Yeah, yeah, they they have to play spoiler. I, I think Army Navy, for my money, kind of has a little bit of the best rivalry Ooh. for me, just because you know it's always it's always on after the entire season is over. You know, there, there's that week there. Um, they get the entire Saturday, you know, to themselves in a way. Mm. Uh, even though a lot of it matches up with the championship games. Anyway, you can't, Nate, you can't you be think? patriotic watching that game. Something's wrong with you. Nate, Sorry. what about you? I'm going to go to the next youngest, if I'm going to well, say it that way. What's your rivalry? <laughs> I, you know, I, I definitely don't agree that Alabama-Auburn should be number one. I do like michigan and Ohio State, um, it does. It, I think lo- lately it hasn't been that exciting to watch. I think, you know, Michigan fans get their hopes that they can do it this year, and then it just doesn't happen. And I'm quite frankly, I'm so sick of Ohio State that I'm rooting for Michigan every year, but I'm just as disappointed. I can only imagine That's because how you're married Michigan to a Michigan fans are, but fan. Come on. No, but I mean, before I even met my wife, I, I disliked Ohio State. So that was kind of the middle ground with the family, right? <laughs> yeah, you know you love Notre Dame. You married into the but, family. I get it. But I think I think one thing about the Iron Bowl lately is Alabama is always coming in number one, like David said. So I think a lot of people are excited because they're kind of hoping Auburn's going to knock them out. Like that's kind of their last regular season try for for a team to beat them, right? Because it's used to be like the LSU game was kind of the game where, okay, whoever wins that's probably going to the national championship. And then lately it hasn't really been LSU, so it's kind of been Auburn. Um, and then kind of Georgia, too. Like, those are the kind of the two SEC teams that could possibly beat Alabama. So maybe that's why they think of it. One that I kind of think goes under the radar lately is USC and um, UCLA. Because what they've done, I don't know how many years ago they started this, but they wear their home jerseys. They both do it. Yes. And so they, I think one team's penalized. They, the coaches get together before this. They both wear their home jerseys. And then I think the team, one team is penalized a, a timeout to start the game. And the other team immediately takes a timeout too. So there's nobody oh, gets an advantage. Cool. They do that. And it's really cool to see both teams wearing the jerseys. You it see is beautiful. Like it's, blue. A, it's, it's just really cool to see. So, I, I mean, the game usually isn't that exciting and great, but that's just kind of a cool tradition that the coaches got together and did that. Um, I do like Notre Dame Navy, too. <laughs> um, just just a great tradition of Navy keeping, helping keep Notre Dame open um, during the war. So How that's about Notre one Dame of the, USC I, that made number five on that's this That's a good list. one, too. But I just I think the Navy one's a little bit more. I've got a tradition I'll talk about later with Notre Dame Navy. But that was a good story because Notre Dame um, stayed open because Navy helped them. So Navy is base Notre Dame has basically told Navy, "You we will play you every year in football mm-hmm. until you do not want us to play you." Because it's a good it's a good um, matchup for Navy. It gets them a lot of attention. It gets a lot of media for them. So it's more of a benefit to them. And Notre Dame said they'll play them until. Navy doesn't want to play him. So people say, why does Notre Dame play Navy? Oh, it's just an easy win for him, which lately it hasn't been. The triple <laughs> options are not easy, but that's that's kind of the tradition behind it. So that's <laughs> one of my favorites. All right. Now, if Ernest, I... is your mic still working? I just want to make sure before I turn it yeah. over to you. All right. Yeah, You've been I mean, so you're... patient, man. You've I, really I been good. I will reward you after you do your hot take. You can pick the next category. So what's your take on the greatest rivalries? Well, now, I since I was uh, I'm a college historian and I remember college football BC before cable, and these were the only ten games that were on TV back then, so they're all big rivalries. But I think and David hit a little bit. It's Army Navy, simply for the fact that these other rivalries, when one of the teams is is having a down year, it takes the luster off the game. Army Navy's, I mean, 
that was the game in the 40s and 50s of, of all of college football. Even today, it gets a day to itself. And even though they don't produce professional players before, because they produce guys who go in any of the armed conflicts that we're now engaged in, these men are playing football one season and risking their lives the next season. It just has a special th- – I mean, again, you're, we're all a patriot mm-hmm. when Army plays Navy. Definitely. And that's, it, that's the and big didn't game. didn't John Feinstein me. wrote a great book on Army-Navy? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the what these guys go through, uh, the gray line with Army and, and the Navy recruits. And, and remember now, Belichick, his history, his dad was special teams coach at Navy. So he learned on the campus. So a lot of what we see in, in, in pro football today came from Navy and, and his dad. But it's again, it's a rivalry that doesn't matter. If both teams came in 0 and 10. It's still one of the highest rated games of the year. Just because it all represents it's their Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's it's bigger than it's it's as big as any bowl game. I mean, it's just again. It is the largest game of the year. Now I get to pick a, a category. Yes, you well, wait, I, I, I want to well, say you got a time to defend yourself a little bit to the Ma- guys. Miami, Miami, Florida State, Miami, Florida State. Growing up was like the you know the game on TV you had to watch because uh, you never knew if there was going to be a fight. And you the know, best all players the, all were the there. Fouls. All the best NFL players were there, and I think that that game is opening the season this year in Week Zero. They're the, the first uh, Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida is okay. Uh, yeah, in Orlando. Yeah. However, Florida State, Miami, I think early 2000s was like the game. All right. Okay, Ernest, go ahead. Just so we'll see, again, that that feeds that kind of feeds my argument <laughs> because these other rivalries, when the teams have a down year, like Miami did last year, right. like Florida was for a while, like like uh, you know that kind of takes the luster off the game. Army Navy is always a great game no matter what the records are. Ernest, so, if you have the rivalries in front of you, you want to read off the top 10 that Sports Illustrated picked, or I will? Oh, I'm happy to do it in respect. Uh, coming in, number 10. I don't get a ding for this, do ding, I? Ding, ding. Texas, Texas A&M. Six then man. Pitt, yeah, Pitt, West Virginia. Uh, that's kind of because uh. well, they, a lot of these started in conferences. They were in conferences together because – Pitt, West Virginia used to be in the Big East together. Now they're in different conferences. Texas, Texas A&M. Now they're in two different conferences. Texas is in the Big 12, and Texas A&M is in the Southeastern Conference. Michigan State, I mean, Mississippi State and, and Ole Miss, that's the Egg Bowl game. Florida State and Miami, again, different conferences. Then the world's largest cocktail party, that's Georgia and Florida. Notre Dame and SC used to be – used to be Notre Dame's last game of the year, they'd always have a West Coast game. But it's kind of, and Nate, see if you agree, Stanford is kind of superseded USC as Notre Dame's rivals. Right. They always play one game in California for recruiting purposes. So they always have Stanford and USC every year, and they alternate, obviously, which, which years. But that's why they do it. So, But, yeah, you're right. Stanford has been more of a relevant team than USC. USC always scared me um, when Notre Dame is having a good season. But... You know, Notre Dame ends up beating them. They're two years. They went undefeated the past few years. USC has always worried me on the schedule, but they've mm. taken care of business. But I, So I think Stanford's tougher. Lately. Number three, Texas, Oklahoma. Again, the luster's off of this because they can meet in the Big 12 championship game. So they can meet twice in one year. We've already talked about number two, Ohio State, Michigan. And, of course, you've already heard us say Auburn, Alabama, which has been kind of lopsided the last 20 years. 
except for the pick six, the kick return of five years ago. That's your number one rivalry, according to Sports Illustrated. And you still get Sports Illustrated. And my wife was trying to ask me, how many years back does Ernest have saved Sports Illustrated? <laughs> and, and she was guessing that your attic has a Sports Illustrated back to 1980. I, I only keep special episodes now, like the Super Swim Bowl. Suit, Swimsuit. Swimsuit, yeah. That was the worst. Uh, I have... I, my subscription started in 1967. So you have them back to 1967. I have them back to 1967. Nice. My most treasured is Super Bowl V. That's the Colts and Cowboys. Mm, I nice. tend to bring that up to my son. Is that in plastic now, on a mantle somewhere? Mylar. Or light it's on? a Mylar. I also have a autographed Sports Illustrated for Kids with uh, A-Rod. And I have a Barry Bonds autograph. Sports Illustrated cover mm. also mm. that I got myself. They signed them for me. Wow. So. Did he talk to you when he signed your autograph? Oh, he was actually very cordial. I know. He was What's nice to Nate, them? but that's another podcast. All right. Ernest, Everybody's nice to, nice to Nate. Okay. You, next, <laughs> you pick a category. Right. Oh, okay. Chip the, Kelly wasn't. Oh, well. <laughs> I heard he, he had a pain he in his mouth that day. Probably recruiting. Uh the greatest games in college football history. This list is very special for me because I'm the only one on this podcast who actually watched each and every one of these games. Yeah, how do you agree <laughs> for that? I don't know about Let me, this. How well, do I did. Prove? Let me go through the list. Okay, and go for the list. And then we'll, we'll the pick you apart. All right, LSU and Alabama. That was in 2011. That was that version of the game of the century. That was, uh, again, that was a 9-6 victory for LSU. It was last time LSU beat Alabama. Catholics versus convicts. Miami at Notre Dame, 88. Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was a great game. What a great game. Uh, sorry. <laughs> they can tear me apart wow. for that one. Number eight. Was that Terry <laughs> Bradshaw or Lou Holtz? I was Lou Holtz. Oh, Lou Holtz. All right. Just wanted to make uh, sure who that was. Number eight's overrated to me because it only had one great play, and that was Boston College at Miami in 84. That was a Hale Flutie pass. And it was a boring game until Flutie hit Phelan in the end zone at the end of the game. A better game was Maryland versus Miami, in which Maryland came back from 32 points down to win 32-34. Number seven, the game of the century. And I really think this was one of the games of the century. Nebraska-Oklahoma, November of 1971. And how old were you uh, then, man? How old? 71, I was 15 years old. No this way. Was a, this, oh, yeah. This was back when um, this was when college football dominated Thanksgiving Day. The pro games were afterthought. And, of course, Clemson, Alabama, 2017 championship. That's the Deshaun Watson. Notre Dame at Michigan State, 1966. That's the famous 10-10 tie where Notre Dame tied to get a national championship. The aforementioned number four, Alabama at Auburn. That's the kick six. Crazy. Boise at Oklahoma, 2007 Fiesta Bowl. And Fiesta Bowl, did my, you say? Or what Fiesta, bowl? It could have been Fiesta. 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 Fiesta the, you know, like a party? Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Mia, Mia Casita. Ah, Gwende, Gwende. Number two, Miami at Nebraska. That was the Orange Bowl game. That was uh, when we found out Vinny Testaverde was colorblind. And the number one, <laughs> and so my picks. choice. That's yeah, true. My choice for the greatest game of all time, 
2006 Rose Bowl, USC at Texas. Vince Young oh, great going game. 30 for 40, throwing for 267 yards and rushing for 200 yards. Not only the greatest game, I think that's the greatest individual effort. So, Paul, Me. dig in. Your greatest game of all time. Wow, those are a lot of really great games. Um, I think the one that really stands out to me, I know you downplayed it, was the Flutie Pass. I think because we've seen so many little clips, and that was, I think, the beginning when media started to show clips to promote somebody for the Heisman. And that Flutie Pass, and I think Musburger was calling it, if I have it right. Yes, It, it was clear. just amazing. Um, it was a great game. But I have to admit, seeing... Um, Young plays so well, USC versus Texas. It's just that game was never over until it was over. I mean, I sound like an, you know, an old guy saying it, but it was back and forth, back and forth. It was an evening game. It had electricity in the air. It was just everything you want. It was like like a movie. You're watching a movie. It was like a movie. It was a movie. Yeah. So uh, I'll jump over Nate. What do you think, Nate? With these. Well, well, before you do that, let me ask you a trivia question. Ooh. Since you like the Boston College of Miami, you know uh, Musburger was doing the play-by-play. Who was doing the color? Here's a hint: it was a Notre Dame coach, Lou Holtz. What year was it? 1984. Oh, not Lou Holtz. Holtz oh, Parsegian. Par- Era Parsegian. Yes. I said his name wrong, but it's close. I was enough. two years. I was two years old for that. I really had no idea. Yeah, a little Notre Dame I'm rattled, sorry. didn't you, Nate? You're rattling. Go, go, go! All right, Nate, you got it next. Go for it. So I, I like those. I think both both of them are great games. You guys are talking about. Um, I really like the Boise State Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl. I know it wasn't relevant as far as the national championship, the but that Fiesta was kind Bowl? of like a kind of the the Fiesta Bowl, okay. Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, right, probably. Okay, just make sure. But, I mean, it had so much great things. Everybody was like, oh, Boise State should have had no business being in this game. They were at large. Um, you know, and Oklahoma's going to kill them. I don't remember what the line was. But, you know, Boise State stayed with them. They had the they had the uh, hook and ladder. Then they had the, you know, um, Statue of Liberty play at the end. I mean, it just was great. And, and then Ian Johnson the proposed end. to his girlfriend after and the my, game. My fraternity brother was friends with mm-hmm. Ian Johnson, so he was super psyched wow. about That's that. Awesome. Um, so he was at the game and went – Ian, uh, when Johnson scored a touchdown, he jumped into the crowd. My buddy, my fraternity brother, because his name is Kevin, was right there. He was the guy that he jumped into. Was that little group of friends? So that was even that was even you know more exciting for me. But I, I liked the game. I just liked that it was not as hyped up as all the other ones. And Boise State just came out and showed what they were made of. They pulled out all the tricks. Um, the coach that now is, he's now at Washington. I forgot his the coach's name. Chris Peterson was great. I mean, I, I don't know. I liked it. I liked the David versus Goliath kind of for a bowl game. You know, the, I, I liked it. So that I think that was, to me, a little bit more. I think I remember that as one of my most exciting games, probably the best for another, me. Another another Bob Stoops choke job. Oh, yeah. Look, wow. look at his record. Bob Stoops, after he won his national championship, choked in bowl games. Bob Stoops is Lloyd Carr, yeah, yeah, a, a younger Lloyd Carr, essentially. And he's going to coach uh, the XFL, right, this year? Yes, he's the Dallas coach. Cash those checks. I I agree. Okay, those two, the USC Texas game and the Boise State Oklahoma game are my top two, without a doubt. I remember my dad here went to bed for the Boise State hey, Oklahoma. Hey, hey, why are you? I know, I know, like calling this. you, out, calling you. Out. Well, it was late, and it was late at night. But me and my mom stayed up, and I remember. My mom, I, I was looking away when Boise State ran the hook and ladder play, and my mom yelped 
like screamed. She was like, "Oh, David, 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 come here, come here, come here!" And and then from that point on, we watched the rest of the game together like so intently. I mean, it was such an amazing game. Um, alternatively, Paul, that's kind of a that's kind of a double burn. Not only did you go to bed early, but your <laughs> wife stayed up. Hey, well, hey, hey when, <laughs> when I was dating her and she beat me in a football trivia game at a vending machine, I said, this is the woman for me. Is, so, hey. That's right. that's so, right. Nate, you can pick the next category. I think we're ready whoa, to do whoa, it. Whoa, oh, whoa, David. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, did I burn David? Oh, oh, oh darn. David. Did he have more fun with his mom? Oh, darn. We'll just I burn him here. Let me ask Nate a question. How sure. how were you during uh, the Catholics versus convicts eighty eight? Oh. Six years old. <laughs> oh my! Now I'm feeling old. That that was <laughs> that was Jimmy Johnson, and that was the height of Miami's arrogance. Swagger. I mean, man. they would, Oh, they had the swagger. And uh, Holtz was. He actually came out, and, and his speech was: "You can have an afternoon to play, a lifetime to remember, <laughs> but I want you to remember one thing." You saved Jimmy John's Jimmy Johnson blank for me. All right, I missed the I beat. And it was that was yeah, that was a again. That's that's the second best game. For well, me. okay, you want to talk about hubris and arrogance? The entire year leading up to the USC Texas game, uh, ESPN did a segment every Saturday night or every Monday. You know, one of the things they would promote it all week, and it was USC versus one of the greatest teams of all time leading up to that 2006 Rose Bowl, the entire college football season. So it was, how would USC right, you know, play against the 1980, you know, six Miami football team? And it was how would they play against the 1997 Michigan football team? The entire season, they pumped up USC as the greatest team of all time. The greatest. So when dad, my dad was talking about it feeling like a movie, it was like a movie because USC had been pumped up as the greatest team you know, since likely Reggie Jack, it, Reggie Bush was on the team, wasn't he? Yeah, that was Reggie Heisman. Bush. That was Matt Leinart. Yeah, two Heisman <laughs> Trophy winners. That's when's the last time that's happened? That's right. And so uh, you you had that that entire hype machine building up. It felt a lot like when Ohio State beat Miami in the 2002 national title game. And I'm almost surprised that game didn't make the list. Also, for you know, for the controversy that followed it, Maurice Claret, you know, Miami. Having Willis McGahee having the passive affair, Willis McGahee having having the post game national championship party already planned and promoting <laughs> it on campus the entire week leading up to that national title game. And of course, I hate Ohio State, but that game and that upset, similar to the Vince Young game, I mean, both of those were just so amazing, such a time and place where All it right. feels like, rant, felt like upsets could still rant happen. over rant yeah. over. All right. right, Nate, can I, can I ask him? Can I ask? No, no, uh, no, no, Ernest. Oh, I'm yeah. you in, Ernest. No, nope, cut, up. Mm, uh, Who's the Texas uh, coach? Uh, no, no, I'm going back. All right. Nate, pick a category quick. Ernest is going to try to take All over right. quick. Background. So I think Ernest and I are going to have a little more fun with this than, than you guys are. But, um, I want to say the biggest upset, best upset. I think you guys know where this is going. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. September do you really? 1st. You know, I can't edit you out of this. 2007, Nate. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Nate. A little team from no, the FCS Nate. called Appalachian Stop. State comes into Ann Arbor, Nate. Michigan, who's just ranked just fifth at the start of the season. Right? You were I, in my I know will, Nate, but not anymore. You're done. Nate. I know this is painful for Michigan, but how awesome is that? That an FCS team, we all knew Nate. it was bound to happen. We knew it was bound to happen. How awesome was that? I know. I know. If you weren't a Michigan fan and you looked at it, you know, uh, from a diff from a different eye, like if you looked at it from a, I don't know, an Arizona State fan, right? How cool is it that an FCS team 
that comes over here that's always like the first couple games for all these big schools. They pay them money to show up. They show up. They get killed. They get paid. They're happy. They get experience. They, this, this team shows up and beats a number five ranked Michigan Whoa. team that had a lot of hype going into the season. So, yeah. I mean, obviously it was close. But, I mean, just to think of the upset, that a team can do that. You know, now there's always these talks about you can never do it. It's never going to happen. We've seen last year in the Final Four, a 16 seed beats a one. How awesome was that? If you didn't go to Virginia, how cool is that to watch? A 16 finally beat that one. So this is like the football equivalent of it. So outside of it being Michigan, I thought that was really cool. Now, I've always been able to have fun with you guys with it. But like I said, Are we look having at fun? I didn't know we were look having at it fun. From another now. point of view of a team in the division lower that comes in <sighs> and Michigan clearly overlooked him and didn't play to their right, potential. Nate. Okay. Well, right, well, well, well one, one thing about that game is my family, my dad included, we David, were up why in are you prolonging City. this, man? Why are you <laughs> <laughs> So we are up in Traverse City, and it was the first year of the Big Ten Network. This is first 2006. Game. First, first game. First game, first year. So so my, my family is normally up in Traverse City for Labor Day weekend. So we normally watch the first Michigan game, um, you know, around that time. On a 11 TV. All, you know, on a very tiny TV, and we would watch it, and we would celebrate. Denard Robinson's running against Western Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. But because it was on the Big Ten Network, we did not get the game. We didn't have any idea what was happening for the game. It was before iPhones, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we get a text that says, Michigan lost to Appalachian State. And we didn't believe it. I mean, we, Me and my dad literally did not believe that had actually happened uh, until we went into town, saw it on TV, asked a person – and they confirmed that yeah, Michigan just lost Appalachian State. And that's something I'll never forget. It makes it makes it hurt a little less, Dad. So, do you remember who the quarterback was for Appalachian uh, State? It, in in Armani Edwards. Armani he's, Edwards. Now, he's starting uh, wide receiver for the Toronto Argonauts in the CFL right now. He had a cup of coffee for the Vikings, I think, and the, and the Panthers for a All while. Right. So, since we had to suffer as Michigan fans. Ernest, what is the most upsetting upset for you as a North Carolina fan? Every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the program in general. I remember, I think my son Justin was 10 years old. Someone gave me tickets for, and this, this, this will help you. This will help your, your, your ennui, so to speak. Uh, someone gave me tickets for Wofford versus Carolina. It was on. Uh, what was that team? What did you call it? Wofford. Where's Wofford at? The Wofford is a, is a one, what was then one double A football team in the uh, great state of South Carolina. Uh, the Terriers. Terriers. Right. Are I thought correct. they were the Waffles, they, they, the Wofford Waffles. The Wofford's. Uh, Wofford. And uh, on the tournament too. Basketball. Yeah. Tournament. Yeah. They, they make the tournament, tournament often. Someone gave so me now. front row seats. So we had to rush to the game, get back in time enough for him to participate in Halloween. And uh, unfortunately, all Carolina's quarterbacks were injured and they were playing a defensive back who later was adopted by Richmond County's football coach at that time, Paul Hoggard. So Hood, who was the quarterback, I actually got to meet and, and know later on. Uh, they got beat by not the defending 1AA champions, what we call FCS teams now, but a mediocre 1AA team. And uh, that was the end of that coach's career, so to speak. So that that was it. 
Though for my birthday, I had to sit through Eastern Carolina destroying Carolina last year. <laughs> so we're used to losing. I mean, it's it's we're a basketball school. That's so. especially brutal since Eastern Carolina ended up firing their head coach yeah. at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Well, and we I, did. Do we I need did to remind, too. So. Do I, need I to do have to say that I think the second or third upset like that where an FCS beat an FBS uh, was Northern Arizona University beating UNLV in football. Which is obviously you know he's not a huge name, but that was a big deal for for, you for my school. That was after I graduated. Yeah, but this was like the third one to happen. So I'm well, telling you, anything is possible in college Nate, football. Come on, that come clean. Hey, Notre Dame Paul. lost. That was painful. Come on, Nate. Which time? Paul. Which upset was Notre Dame? Which, uh, when, which well, they upset? How about when they got blown out when they went to the BCS? The BCS. Clemson, Clemson when game. They, when they lost to Alabama in the championship game, or when they played. Clemson last year. Well, it, they played them better than Alabama did. Oh, wait a second. You were supposed to talk of some, something painful to you, not defend your pain. No, Come no. Th- we're talking about upsets. We're not, not talking about painful. We're talking about upsets. I picked the category. I said it was best upset. All right, all right. Paul, all right. David, yes. remember, if Appalachian hadn't beat Michigan, you never would have gotten Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Why don't you pour alcohol in our wounds, man? <laughs> All right, now we need to move on. All right, er, David, pick another category, please. Just anything. Okay. So, so SI ranked the top individual performances from players and the best seasons from players. I kind of want to twist it. I just want to ask, who is the best college football player you guys have seen, statistically speaking or just aesthetically speaking, in your lifetime? Who Who is the number one college football player that stands out for, for any number of reasons I'll in start. your guys' mind. I'll start. Yeah, Dad, go ahead. Herschel Walker. The first time I saw him play as a freshman, he was trucking defensive backs, and then he was trucking linebackers, and he was so dominant. They knew he was going to run anyways, and we were living in Georgia at the time, and it was just unbelievable how dominant he was, and he sort of wasted some years going to – what was the World Football League, whatever it was? USFL. USFL. He wasted some years there, and then we know the rest of the story. But if you're saying I just the wow factor, the first time I saw him, I just went, are you kidding? This guy is so much bigger, stronger, faster. He didn't try to duke you or juke you. He just went over you. Um, to me, he was a more impressive uh, runner at first than Bo Jackson. Although Bo Jackson, I think, had a little more speed, a little more jukes, I think Herschel Walker was just – phenomenal and that's my old man story yeah and i am college specifically it it is more exciting to see a college athlete dominate their peers because the difference in athleticism is so much more profound so definitely college herschel walker i mean such a train i mean a literal train running over people ernest what do you think who's your person i'm gonna get in trouble with this one don't say don't say ohio state no, I'm no. I'm if we clearly talking about college career. OJ Simpson. Yes. OJ was every time he got his hands on the ball. He was slicing uh, and dicing in that backfield. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I knew Nate couldn't resist that. Yeah, I was gonna say he was just so dominant. Him and and Johnny Rogers that played for Nebraska in that 71 game mm-hmm. he was were great. guys that, that when they got their hands on the ball, you just knew. They could go all the way, like Tony again, Dorsett you, in college. Yeah, yeah, Dorsett. But now he had Bill Freilich on the offensive line. He had, he had a very dominant offensive line. Uh, Herschel didn't have that, and and 
Again, these are guys that didn't really produce. OJ did it as pro, but Herschel, and, and you're right, he gave up his senior year to go play for the New Jersey Generals of the United States Football League. And that's the first, he was the first player to be an early entry and, and challenge that. Now, of course, players can do that. It's that, that those are guys are just, even today would be just as dominant. And, and another name I thought was Barry Sanders. At Oklahoma State. Mm, I like that. So we're going to Nate. significantly before my time. Nate, what, yeah. what about you? All right. So obviously I could say Rocket is smell. I could throw out the Notre Dame legacy guys, but I'm gonna say because I would go to and I attended a lot of Arizona State games. Jake the Snake Plumber <laughs> was just Whoa. awesome to me. Like he had a, he had some it. great games. He'd willed the team to to victory the year they went undefeated, went to the Rose Bowl and lost to Ohio State. Yet another reason why I hate that stupid. <laughs> Get um, it out, Nate. It's good. But for no, you. Jake Plummer. He just he would escape tackles all the time. He would just he'd get out of these little like think he should be down and he would get out. He would get you know he'd squeeze squeeze his way out. So I don't know. To, to me, Jake Plummer was just he was the guy because you know I got to see him live every week and um, you know he was there with the upset when they upset Nebraska nineteen zip when Scott Frost got the safety in the end zone. Um, Notre Dame brought or um, sorry Arizona State broke the uh whatever nebraska's 18 game winning streak or something something ridiculous like that um i was there for that so that was awesome again jake Plummer was the I mean, qb there. so he, jake, jake Plummer was the guy like i just i got to see him to me at west coast he was huge for me so i know that's not in comparison to yeah. the herschel walker the barry sanders but to me that was that was the guy that i was like wow so i do like it he's undoubtedly the best player in recent Arizona State history, right? I mean, he led them to a Rose Bowl. So, so Pat Tillman gets a lot of the, the okay. credit. He was, yeah. he was a linebacker. Yeah. Um, but that's, that. that's more for what he did when he walked away right. Right. From, from professional football. I think James Harden's the most notable <laughs> Arizona State at this point. But. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. For, for me, I think Reggie Bush, I'm... Mm. I don't know if I'm worried per se, but I think Reggie Bush is going to be kind of forgotten about in in history when it comes to great college athletes because it was right before the YouTube social media age, you know, but he was a Heisman winner. And not only was he a Heisman winner, he was instant highlight reel. The, you know, when you're talking about juking or, 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 uh, you know, being agile, he was the number one guy you talked about for, you know, for 10 years after he played college football. You know, it was at the peak of the Pete Carroll, USC, Trojan dynasty. Literally, anytime he would touch the ball, whether it was kick returns, you know, punt returns, uh, you, you know, you know, running the ball, throw him a pitch and, you know, he would spin move. I think the closest thing to Barry Sanders we had, you know, in college since Barry Sanders, and I wasn't alive for Barry Sanders, so I didn't get to see that. But every single week, you know, they were the number one team. You knew they were the number one team. They're on prime time every single week for the entirety of his career at USC. And he just changed the game. He was so dynamic in so many different ways. Um, and then Tim Tebow, I think, just just was so undoubtedly like such a superstar and level we really haven't seen since maybe Johnny Menzel kind of was also on that same level of superstar for very <laughs> oh different goodness. reasons. Johnny but, but, Manziel, what's what's he doing now, David? Getting ready for the XFL, cashing bagging, those checks, bagging groceries until David, XFL tryouts. David, I want to ask you how much of Reggie Bush's effectiveness was because he lined up with Lindell White in that backfield. Ooh, right, right. 
Thunder and Lightning. But, I mean, maybe a lot, but his kick return abilities were still so dynamic. I mean, they, they had probably the best roster in college football anyways. And Matt Leinart was an amazing, you know, uh, college quarterback. You know, they had a ton of wideout talent too. So I, I, obviously that all helped. But in open space, you know, the juke, you know, the juke button was basically the Reggie Bush yeah. button. All right. Reggie, Bush, Reggie Bush won a lot, didn't he? I mean, even his parents won a house, didn't they? <laughs> That's right. That's I right. knew we might get that. And all Extra benefit. And a national championship right. too. We're going to change it up a little bit here just for a little fun because I'm well, hungry. Well, oh, you got well, one well, more, Ernest? Let's do coaches. We got to do coaches. Oh, that this is a quick hitter, Ernest. Quick hitter. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm just going to I'm going to give you the top ten eats town eats at college football towns. Mm. And all I want okay. you to say is a quick hitter. Which one of these would you want to eat right now? All right. Number ten, Waffle House. Uh, number nine, <laughs> uh, Mamalea's Cambridge, Mass, which does a deli and pastrami. Uh, number eight, Mother Bears at Bloomington and makes pizza like nobody else, they say. Number seven, Archibald's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is smoked meat of all types, ribs especially. Number six is Dixie Chicken in College Station, Texas. And if you like fried chicken, that's the place to go. Number five is Simply Pressed in South Bend, Indiana, which is more of a healthy sub and smoothie place. I don't know why that made the list. I love, I love Notre Dame. I would never go there. All right, number four <laughs> is Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, which makes awesome sandwiches. You never had a sandwich as good a quality as, as that, and I'm a little biased by that. I have to take it. Number three is Dottie Dumplings Dowry. Yikes. Madison, Wisconsin. But if you like fried cheese curds, man, that's your place and beer. And then going down there, too, is Veracruz All Natural in Austin, Texas. All you need to know is tacos made the, the way they're supposed to be. And then number one, according to SI, is Bucci's in Columbia, Missouri, where burgers basically is it. So, Ernest, what food do you want to eat out of that town? Uh, I'm Southern football barbecue. I, you got me going down to uh, Alabama to Archibalds to uh, Tuscaloosa. Right, Nate. Brisket. Brisket. Nate, Nate. I, I've been to Zingerman's, but I have to tell you, there's one that's also in Ann Arbor that I liked a lot better. It was Greasy Burger. I think it was Blippy Burger. Is Blimpies, that the right? Yes. That was good. I got spots. to go to the original one before they they moved the locations. Nice. That was good. But if you're I got to pick one off will, the list, Nate. I'll say. You're back in the will. <laughs> if I got to pick one off the list, I'll say Waffle House. But I liked, I think they got it wrong for Ann Arbor. I think it should have been Blippy Burger. All right, David. Um, I think Alabama's playing Wisconsin to open the season at Wisconsin or maybe in Lambeau in a few years, mm-hmm. give me some smoked meat and cheese curds together. Can I, can I have some combination of that? <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah. Anytime with yeah. cheese or barbecue, I'm all my poor in. arteries, but and that curd, sounds amazing. Curd your enthusiasm. So I'm going to go <laughs> off the list a little bit. Zingerman's in Ann Arbor has a roadhouse where they have a barbecue plate special on Thursday nights where you get samples of all the different types of barbecue. And it's amazing. All right, Ernest, go ahead. Pick your best coach of all time. You know, Waffle House being on that list, that's the biggest college upset of all time. Because <laughs> that's the next morning, Ernest. That's the next that's, morning. Uh, yes, that's yes, definitely upset. You know, in, in my college town, that was four, 3, 4 a.m. after the bars closed. That's That was Waffle House right there. Not that's, you ever drank in college. Its popularity is linked to the fact that it's the only place open. Oh, this is easy. Best coach. You're watching him in action right now. It's Nick Saban. 
even more than Bear Bryant. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. As I had Bear Bryant, just saying. Counterpoint. Can can I just throw one out here? I I mean, I'm not going to seriously argue this, but Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Florida State was a program that wasn't barely 20 years old when he took over. Um, And they had a peak uh, for 14, 15 straight years of being uh, a top five college football program for 15 straight years. And when you think about that, Nick Saban has been at Alabama doing what he's been doing for 10 years, 10 years. And Bobby Bowden was able to do it for 15 straight years at that high peak level for Florida State. And that's just something that doesn't make him the greatest coach of all time. But the things that he was able to do at Florida State are just almost impossibly good. Also, Tom Osborne running the triple option, getting five stars to come to Nebraska to play the triple option. I know it's a different place in time, but uh, winning national championships at Nebraska should, should be highly respected. Five years from now, I may be seeing Debo. If you ask me yeah. this question five yep. years, I may be saying Debo Sweeney. Yeah, I agree. He's done amazing at Clemson to get them to that point. And there's some really great names. He, he on makes this it list. rain. Come on, guys. That's a. Anyways, that's all right. Well, the list. I'll say of, Saban. I would say Nick Saban. I, I don't like to, but he's done. He did really well at LSU. Obviously, he didn't do well in the NFL. Came back. I think for right now, I really wish it was Dabo Sweeney. I wish I could pick him, but. Based on everything we're seeing, I would say Nick Saban. I would say Newt Rockney, but I never got to see him coach. So, right, I did. <laughs> no, I no. actually, I was actually at the first football game on November ninth, eighteen sixty nine, when Princeton was playing Rutgers. I've actually, right now, where they played at is where the volleyball uh, gym is at at Rutgers, and I've made that, that pilgrimage to the first college football game site. Wow. It's like the Mecca for college football. So Princeton is playing at Rutgers this year. Those are the greatest coaches. What is your favorite football coach, whether he won all the time or not? The favorite football coach you just like to watch? John Cooper. (laughs) Because he lost to Michigan all the time. I like it. Who is is that Michigan coach that took over? Oh. After Lloyd Carr? Richard. Was, Rich Rod it wasn't Rich Rod. It was the other guy, that, and he was an alumni. He was bigger. Oh, Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke. I liked him. Yeah, he was a, he was a player's coach. I liked him. Um, I wish he got more wins and um, had more wins, but I liked what he did against Ohio State when he went for two because he asked the seniors what they wanted to do. They wanted to go for two, and when that didn't happen, he said it was on him. Seniors came out later and said, no, that was on them. But the coach defended him. I love that. I just I love when coaches are players' coaches. So to me, I think he was my favorite. I just I wish he would have gotten more wins at Michigan, not against Notre Dame, but I would ah. I wish he would have been able to stay at Michigan. Spurrier, longer, so. Spurrier for me, Steve Superior, Steve Spurrier, Spurrier. He could coach now. The old ball coach could coach right now. Yeah. I mean, he he went to South Carolina. Had never won a bowl game ever, ever. He went to South Carolina, won bowl games. He could, he what in the AAF this year, he showed he could still coach. And he was, he's just so entertaining. And, and the ability that he had, you know, like he used to say, you couldn't spell the Citrus Bowl without UT, kind of needling mm-hmm. uh, University of Tennessee all the time because that's where they always wound up playing. He just knew how to get that extra little thing in there. Talk about rivalries, Ernest. You know, I mean, we're talking about Dabo being the best 
head coach of all time. Steve Spurrier could have easily been that, I think, if he wanted to work a little harder and spend a little less time <laughs> on, the, on golf the golf course. course. Yeah. But one thing, you know, Dabo Sweeney has been at Clemson a long time before he's finally turned them into a power. He started off, you know, Jim Harbaugh is 0-4 against Ohio State in his career so far. Dabo started off his career against South Carolina 0-5 against Steve Spurrier before winning his first rival game against South Carolina as Clemson head coach. Oh, and five. Uh, it, it, that should tell you all you need to know about how good you know Steve Spurrier was as a head coach. Right, so let's flip this. What is the coach you least could stand watching on TV? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Yes. What a clown. Woody Hayes. All right. Urban Meyer didn't take a slug at a Clemson football player. Because he intercepted the ball. That, that Charlie Bauman, that was the Gator Bowl. Charlie Bauman was a linebacker for Clemson, intercepted the ball. He came to the sidelines, and I was watching it live, and Woody took a full swing went through the, between the face mask. Close in there between him. Close lined him. And I remember watching Keith Jackson was doing the announcing of the game, and it was like stunned silence for about Two minutes, and they never mentioned it. They never showed a replay. It's like I saw this. Uh, also, and then the next day he left. Things never mentioned. Never look up Woody Hayes quotes um, about about anything other than football on Wikipedia. Just don't do it. Woody he Hayes, made, vicious, vicious racist. He vicious. called Bobby Knight a left wing pinko. <laughs> <laughs> I am not lying. He was not made for social media. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he wasn't. Different era. Different era. Again, uh, this is just a horrible, mean. Another one very close to that, and this uh, gets into Nate's field, was Frank Cush at Arizona State. Cush was a guy in the 70s that would grab players by their face mask and punch them in the face and punch them below the I met I met Frank Cush, and he was actually pretty funny to me. Uh, I met him. A few years ago, um, he was he was older. He has an office in the stadium, or he did, because obviously he's passed away. But um, he got on me because I'm very white-skinned, and I told him I was a native Arizonan. And he point, pointed to a picture of an Indian he had drawn on the wall. He said, no, you should look like that. If you're a native, you should look like that. So I always thought Frank Cush was the funniest wow. guy. Got a picture with him, was really bummed when he passed away. Heckling a 12-year-old? Um, Is that what he, he was but, doing? No, I was in my 20s. Oh, okay. I, I was. It was well-deserved. He just he wouldn't believe that I was a native. And I said, no, I'm a native. And... Well, so anyway, that was my interaction with him. It was great. But he program also caused John Elway to go to the Broncos, but that's another story. That's pro football. Yeah. Dad, right. who, who's Urban Meyer was for? Urban you? Meyer was an easy pick, and I could not stand Woody Hayes growing up. Um, a coach I want to just give honorable mention here, who's not a college coach, but I just liked watching him, was Gary Glanville in the NFL. When they started miking coaches up, he was hilarious to hear him on NFL films, and he left a ticket always for Elvis. And uh, even though he was he the Kansas City uh, Atlanta coach? Falcons, he was Atlanta Falcons. Jerry Spoilers. Is this the guy who still coaches? He's, He's still, still coaches? coaching in Canadian football. Yeah, just a great fun guy to just to watch oh. to see what he was going to do. And I loved that early NFL films where they mic him up, and that was before social media, so. You got a real unfiltered and occasional beep image of football that I really enjoyed as well. All right. You remember that one line he used to make and he yelled at the officials, and when they wouldn't call penalties, uh-huh. he'd say, "This is the NFL. That means not for long. If you keep calling that, I can go have a job." <laughs> right. 
Well, the last one we're going to cover is right up the alley for Nate to just be proud of, and that's the greatest helmets in college football history. Although I think number two is pretty easy to understand as well. So, uh, Nate, why is Notre Dame so great? It's just a plain gold helmet, right? No, they put 24 karat gold. I think it's 23 point something karat gold gold in there. Um, but I mean, it's just it's it matches the the administration building, the Golden Dome. Um, you hear them called the Golden Domers. I, I don't know. It's just it's that aura of just a beautiful, beautiful gold helmet. I mean, it's it's intimidating. Does I mean, that's nobody the thing else you, do you talk a gold about. helmet like they do? Navy kind of yeah. does, um, but nobody has it. I think I was looking this up here. So each helmet contains two. 23.9 karat gold flakes collected from the dome when it was when they started doing it in the mid 2000s. So the helmets are even shinier than ever. So and and they say Notre Dame's the gold standard for helmets. But you know it's just it's a cool tradition. There's a lot of cool helmets out there. Oregon's got a good one, um, depending on which week it is. Obviously, do they still um, spray them every game like they show in Rudy? Do you think? Yes, they do. They do. Um, so that's why they look so shiny every game. Um, but you know, it's just, it's tradition. It's like the pinstripes of the Yankees. That's, it's kind of the, you know, that the pinstripes used to be intimidating. And occasionally you know? they, uh, they mix. Occasionally you have the crossover episode where Notre Dame and the Yankees mix it up. <laughs> well, that was and, a terrible and, helmet. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the shamrock series. Although the under the lights game years ago was pretty cool. And they put a shamrock on it and everybody wore throwbacks, including the, uh, the umps, which was really cool. We were at that game. Um, I mean, Notre Dame lost, but it was fantastic. We talk about one of the greatest games. It was a regular season game. But that was a fantastic game. Notre Dame lost, which I was used to, so it, it, that didn't shock me. But fantastic game. Um, so, I, But I do wish I could have seen them live at the gold helmet. So, Ernest, uh, number two is Michigan. Of course, we're biased up here. Down in the south, do you think the Southerners have appreciation for the Michigan helmet, or do you think it's not not a big deal? If you ever noticed, uh, University of Delaware has yeah. a, it's a lighter, lighter shade of blue. You know why the helmet looks that way, don't right. you? Right, so that the, when the guy went out to turn around for a pass, the, the quarterback could see it was his player and see him better to pass it to him. Yeah, Fritz Chrysler. Joe Flacco went to Delaware, didn't he? Yep. Yes, he did. Uh, Fritz Chrysler was the Michigan coach at that time, and he did it for passing. You're right, absolutely, for uh, to be recognizable for passing patterns. Now my favorite is uh, Florida State. I mean, it's just that's a cool one. That it's always been a neat one to me, and that's more of a Southern thing. I mean, I don't go for the Alabama with just the numbers. I know that's iconic, but I don't care for that. I like Texas, but I, I got to go for uh, again uh, the, uh, the Florida State one has always been iconic to me. Indeed. Even though Notre Dame is nice with the can I do an Austin Powers <laughs> the gold sorry I like gold you know gold. how long it's been since the Austin Powers movie Ernest it's been years? over twenty years and they're not going to make any more because Minnie Me has passed away uh, they made that announcement two weeks ago yeah all right so no more Austin Powers sorry folks David besides Michigan I know Michigan's your favorite helmet do you have a favorite helmet. Um, I think the USC helmet, if we're talking tradition, the USC helmet is, is very iconic for me. I think those colors in general, very iconic might also be that my middle school logo was the, was the USC Trojan logo. So maybe that has a little something to do with it, 
But uh, I think the USC helmet looks very cool. Nobody voted and for Oregon with all their uh, many options. Yeah, that was my second pick. I like that. That was my second. Well, that pick. did so many. I mean, that's that, that did so many. I like the one with the wings better than. Oh, I don't like the wings. I like the wings better. Hey, we got to fit in fight songs real quick, like. Oh well, there's no go. there's no question hail with that one, the is it? Oh yeah, it's Notre Dame. Even in the airplane, they play the Notre Dame fight song. Now, I, Notre Dame fight song is recognized around the world, and I'm not a shill for Notre Dame, but that's that and the Navy and the Army ones. Kaysen's got rolling in, and the anchors away by the Navy. Those three are worldwide How about rocky time ernest man. ernest 100 ernest 100 on your on board with what you're saying i also i also have to say michigan is a very popular hail to the victors uh my high school actually adopted the same hail to the victor song just obviously changed the words Written by that's, another that's, person. Awesome. that um that that holds a place in my heart too but i do like rocky top and i as much as i hate to hear it USC has a pretty good fight song. Yeah, they too. do. It's a pretty okay. good catch. You know, Rocky Top is not that old. It was written in 1972. There used to be a TV show in the South here called The Osborne Brothers, and they wrote it. And Lynn Anderson had a song in the 70s. So Rocky Top doesn't have the gravitas or the history that these. No, it's just a cool, catchy song. You get stuck in your hair when you watch a balls game. Yeah, but it's again, it's 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 not that it doesn't have that age on it that these others do. Are you guys messed up because SI claims this song is number two? You recognize it yet? Bula, 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 bula. <laughs> Actually, it sounds a lot. It's just like Yale Bula Bula. That's a Boomer Sooner from Oklahoma, which they claim is number two, and then this one is number three. If YouTube will come up fast enough. See, there you go. When I hear, yeah, but when I hear Bula Bula, I think of Montgomery Burns doing that on the Simpsons for Yale. Bula Bula. Rocky Top's too young a song. I mean, okay. if, if I'm older than the song, it doesn't have any value. If we're talking... There you go. Yeah. Uh, best unofficial... I want to go rush Right now, I hit somebody. That's Notre Dame, of course. That but- is my beer bottle cap opener. I also have a stuffed animal that plays <laughs> the fight song, too. Well, David Paul is is on the victors. Is that your ringtone? No. I don't use a ringtone. I, I, my phone's on vibrate 100% of the time. But you, you guys know the true best fight song. It's, it's not even an official fight song, but it's the best one that was in college football. Country Roads. Take no, no, no. To the place I belong. Right, yeah, I know. David's that's mic. Quick. I know where Country Roads took now him to a plane crash. I believe Country Roads took John Diver to a plane yeah, crash. Yeah. Wow, Ernest. Way, way to take that there. Sorry, sorry. All right, guys. John Denver, real down-to-earth kind of guy. Yeah, we're right down to our last two minutes because we got to cut this off. All right, you each get 30 seconds. Ernest, run with your last 30 seconds. Oh, wow. Uh, let me go last. Okay, David, 30 seconds. you got to cut 10 seconds off this. Shenandoah River. Life <laughs> is old there, older than the trees. He's going to it to sing. Country roads. All right, there take goes our last three listeners. I take, I take, my, I take my time I back. <laughs> All right, Nate. Even I don't, even I don't want to listen to the recording. All right, All right so quick, uh, we didn't touch on the traditions. One of the big traditions I mentioned earlier, Notre Dame Navy. What they do at the end of the game is both teams go to the other team's um, band 
play their fight song, they stand together, then they go across the field to the other band and listen to a really cool tradition. They, they've done that for years. So anyway, cool tradition. That was that my tradition. Cool. I like it. Ernest. Leaves falling, uh, little tailgating in, um, in the parking lot, stroll up to the game, whether you win or lose, college football, you always have a good time. Yes, and I love it when Michigan, when they when they run to the student section, they jump up on the fence, the brick fence that goes all the way around the field, and they swamp by the uh, the fans, and they sing the victors, and, and or just singing the victors when they get in to the locker room is really cool. Love college football. Glad that you listened to us on Pardon the Confusion. You can also listen to us on SportsCountry.net on Spotify. And also on redcircle.com, a new hosting service for podcasts, which you can sign up for free. I don't get a cut of this even. So you can do that. You can also listen to David Arnold's podcast. He's doing MGO Fish with uh, Garrett Fishoff, which is one of the best recruiting information sites on mgofish.com. So that's all my plugs. Thanks for listening. And go Trumble Blue. Dads, too. Trumble Dads. Oh, Trumble Dads. How can I forget them? They send me an episode every once in a while. Nate rants and raves with his buddy Brian and uh, you'll see that up on our website greatamericanman.org for all the guys have a great night play ball or evening <laughs>